0: All right. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Well, good morning, church family. How are you guys feeling? You feeling well? Awesome. Awesome. It is good to be here with you today. Um, it's a real treat for me to be able to speak. This is my second time. Still weird. Still weird. But, um, you know, before we get into the message, there's, there's something I got to get off my chest a little bit. So when they asked me to speak, Balan told me to speak... Um, they said, Well, the guys are going to be on retreat this week. And I'm thinking, and probably a misunderstanding on my part, but I'm processing this. I'm saying, saying Okay, if they're going to be on retreat, they're not going to be there. Someone's going to have to speak. I don't know why you'd ask me, but okay. And uh, so I get here this morning, and uh, Brian Legg is back there. Uh, I've seen Stivy. Uh, I've also seen Dave, so uh, for those that are on retreat, you know, I kind of feel like I've been a little flim um, <laughs> For our younger viewers, guys, I think I've been punked, all right? But it's okay. We're going to get through it. Uh, seriously, it is amazing that our pastors go on retreat. They consecrate themselves together to hear from the Lord for the vision for our church, and for their shepherding leadership over us. So we praise God for that. As we begin, I would like to invite you to please stand as we go to God in prayer. And then if you are able, it's a lengthy passage, but as you are able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Heavenly Father, Abba, Lord, we are humble and grateful to be here today in this your sanctuary. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit here today, that you would grant us Holy Spirit eyes and ears to hear from you. Father, please release your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that when we leave this place today, we can indeed say that we know you better than what we did when we walked in. Lord, draw us into divine places of love, conviction, Yes, consecration and salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and in fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we, we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. Dropping down to verse 17, this in Daniel 9. O oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, it lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help but because of your mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. Listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay, O oh my God, for your people and your city. Bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord for my God, for, Je- for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was. For you are very precious to God. You may be seated. So we learned that there were some absolutely amazing events that unfolded in Daniel's life. It's what we've been reading about here in our F260 plan the last couple of weeks. But I would assert that there is a reason why Daniel was able to walk in the supernatural, interpret visions and dreams and crazy handwriting like what John was talking about, and he experienced God's favor and divine deliverance. The passionate, humble prayer that we just read and the other events in Daniel's life, well, they're sustained by his consecrated, lifestyle. Today, I want to highlight some of the events from this week's reading and explore some of Daniel's prayer in a little more detail as evidence of this consecration. Daniel was consecrated, completely devoted, joined to the Lord. As we continue, I pray that we will all see consecration not as a stuffy church word, but that we will see consecration through this lens. Consecration is a catalyst that precedes and releases supernatural moves of God. Consecration is a connection between God's heart and our own. I would even say the intimacy with which or to which we experience a depth of relationship with God is a function of how we consecrate ourselves and devote ourselves to him. And consecration is a call for each of us to serve God's purpose and, um, in, the, in our life and in the life of this church. For the sake of time, we're not going to go through the entire story. John definitely gave you excellent backdrop to this situation. Daniel's called before King Belshazzar in chapter 5 of Daniel to interpret handwriting on a wall. Now, here's an interesting side note. If you recall from last week's message we learn that Nebuchadnezzar renamed Daniel. He renamed him Belteshazzar. He did this to steal his identity. Now, this occurs historically, the handwriting on the wall, it occurs 60 years later. 60 years later. And I was struck by the fact that the queen, that night, when she's seeing everything and the king's knees are knocking, and she sees it, she says, Hey, king, why don't you call Daniel? Sixty years later, they didn't call for Belteshazzar, they called for Daniel. Daniel's consecration secured his identity in the Lord. Despite the fact he was living in pagan Babylon, sixty years later, they saw him, they knew who he was, and they called him Daniel. So John shared with us in his dedicated prayer about that handwriting and Daniel's supernatural interpretation. But how was God able to speak through Daniel? In that supernatural moment of revelation, how was Daniel able to provide this seemingly spontaneous interpretation? Let's attempt to answer this question with another passage, and this also from this week's reading from Daniel chapter 6. Recall that in this chapter, this is where 80-year-old Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Again, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but his reputation at this time, Daniel's, it was unsullied. It was squeaky clean. They could find no dirt on Daniel. The only thing that they could do, the worst they could do, was to use his consecrated lifestyle against him. And that's what resulted in him being thrown to the lions. They resented him greatly. So the administrators at the time conned the king into creating a law that everyone must pray... To King Darius for 30 days or into the lion's den, they would go. And here's Daniel's response. But when Daniel learned that the law had been ignored, had, had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The section in this passage, as usual, just as he had always done, again, captured my attention. Recall 60 years from the time he had been there, and they tried to rename him until this point. And if you read the chapters in between, from chapter 1 to chapter 5 and 6, there's not a lot of events that are recorded over these 60 years. Those that are were amazing So there's a scant few number of events that are recorded, yet it tells us here that before Daniel was thrown to the lions, he prayed. He prayed diligently, regularly. This is just how he had always done. This was who he was. He was always spending time with the Lord. Whether Daniel was experiencing the supernatural or he was in an extended season of waiting, he lived a devoted life to God, which was marked by years, years of intentional and intimate prayer. Some of those years may have even seemed dry to Daniel, but it was just as he had always done. He trusted and relied on God. He pressed into God, even during those extended seasons of waiting. Through prayer, Daniel remained connected to God's heart. Because of his consecration, God spoke to him and through him. Daniel didn't have to flip a switch to interpret the handwriting. In essence, his switch was always on. Before we continue, I feel the need to pause a little bit on our key word today, consecrate or consecration. It can be one of those churchy words that get thrown around and maybe not quite as much today generationally speaking. But what is it? What does it mean? Sometimes we may even not know how to use it. Is consecration the same thing as sanctification? Sanctification being the process that God calls us into as a part of our walk and journey with Christ. We become more Christ-like over time. And our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, well, he helps us deal with those. We're sanctified through that process through that lifetime process. Consecration, to me, as I read this and as I I feel like I understand, consecration is our role in this. It's our yes and amen. It's our willingness to press into God, to let him do his sanctifying work. We have to respond. I'm going to go to another verse that kind of tells us a little bit more about consecration. This from a previous passage in our F260 plan. We passed this a couple months ago from Joshua 3 verse 5. It reads, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This verse precedes the miracle of the parting of the Jordan River at flood stage, no less. Israel was coming out of their 40-year trek in the wilderness, and Joshua was preparing to lead them into the promised land. I got to tell you, as I came across this verse in my preparation, this was like fresh revelation for me. To... To make consecration something that is amazing when you prepare yourself, when you pray, when you press in, when you do what God has called you to do, it's preparation for a catalyst, as a catalyst for a movement of God. We are called to consecrate ourselves. From Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew word in this verse is kadash. Which is to set apart, to wholly dedicate oneself, to consecrate. You may see sanctify, purify, or consecrate, depending on some of your translations that you may be using, but I believe consecration fits this context best. For the Israelites, consecration consisted of washing their garments, washing their bodies, abstaining from sinful acts or objects that were known to be unclean. We all know however, that it was God who parted the the Jordan River. He parted the waters. But just as we learned from experiencing God a season or two ago, God partners with his people. Consecration is a catalyst to mighty moves of God when his people join him. As we learned from Joshua and Daniel, the role of obedience and consecration, that belongs to us, to you, To me, to his church. It is indispensably necessary. We're going to dig a little deeper into the passage that we opened with to learn how Daniel consecrated himself and what this might mean for us. Again, chapter 9, back to verse 2. During the first year of his reign, I learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years so i turned to the lord god and pleaded with him in prayer and in fasting this word that daniel got from the lord from jeremiah it did something to daniel it connected him to god's purpose to what god had planned for israel it was fresh revelation for him, too. Now, this is where he was reading from. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but when I, then I will come and do for you all of the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This leapt off the page for Daniel. He studied scripture, and through that consecrated, devoted study, God released revelation to him about Israel's captivity. And this pulled Daniel into a prayerful conversation with God. What about you and I? Does the Bible so inspire our prayers? All of this reading and studying that we've been doing in the F260 plan the last six months. For some of us, this verse, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven it might be a life verse for you. Perhaps one of your favorites. Maybe even a word from God for you during some of your own personal struggles. What promises do you glean from God's word? For your, from your consumption of God's word, and then humbly carry them to the Lord. It's got to be a conversation. He speaks to us in many ways, predominantly through His word. And when He does, do we take that word and get back in prayerful conversation with Him and say, "Lord, it's in here. You promised." Lord, I know this is what you have purposed for my family. I don't see it yet. And you get pulled into a conversation with God. That's what he did with Daniel. What have you possibly read that has so stirred your faith and revealed God's purpose for you or your family or this church or our nation that you go to God in prayerful conversation about it. Daniel received instruction, encouragement, promises from dedicated study of the Word. And this revelation was followed by prayer and fasting. Repentance. Does God's, does God's Word find its way into our conversations and our prayer life? Corey Russell asserts that the source of life in prayer comes from connecting with God's desires as they are expressed through his word and his spirit. Daniel was encouraged in his spirit by what he read from the prophet Jeremiah. He responded by pleading with God in prayer and, yes, fasting. He humbled himself by what he wore, what he would or would not eat, how he lived, and how he prayed because he was seeking and had heard from the Lord. I believe this permeated Daniel from verse 12. When you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, Daniel, you will find me. I'm gonna go out on a limb a little bit, and I realize this is a little personal Maybe a sensitive sidebar. But when's the last time that you and I prayed and pleaded like Daniel? How often do we accompany our prayers with fasting? Steps on my toes too. When was the last time that we were so stirred by a word from the Lord or a promise not yet fulfilled or convicted of sin so deep or pained by our circumstances or the lost maybe even in our own family, that we actually altered our meal schedule. I pray that these words stir in your spirit. Our God listens. He promises us. He listens. But we must be willing to cast aside our worldly, fleshly hungers for the hungers of God's heart wholeheartedly when we seek him. That's when he will be found. In verse 4 and 5, Daniel continues and acknowledges Israel's rebellion against God and their refusal to listen and obey. Now recall Daniel is a man of God with unquestioned integrity and character. And we know they used that against him. Regardless, though scripture paints him as a squeaky clean character, his prayer was never you got to forgive them, Lord. Your people have messed up, Lord. I don't know. I'm kind of, I feel like I have to tolerate them too. I mean, here, I'm doing my part. No, that wasn't Daniel's position at all. Forgive us. Our faces are covered with shame. Our disloyalty to you. We have sinned against you. We have rebelled. Daniel's humility and repentance was cleansing for himself, And through his intercession for Israel, Daniel never separated himself from his fellow countrymen. He knew, as Paul expresses in Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not one. And that is the heart of brokenness and contrition that he went to God with. Through that broken heart and tears, God heard Daniel's intercession. And so he pleaded with the Lord in consecrated humility and repentance for restoration, redemption and the honoring of promises that the Lord himself had made he closed his prayer with such surrender and such desperation hear your servant's prayer listen as I plead O oh Lord hear, forgive, listen and act he along with the other exiles at this point had been in captivity for nearly 70 years And he's experienced major highs and great lows, including years, in fact, where he was in all but obscurity from the mainstream. And yet, he's holding on to this promise from God. His unwavering passion still burns, even while he waits for God to move. This consecrated life that Daniel has in God's service, he's now offering intercession for his people. And he was desperate You can hear it. It's it's dripping off the page. His desperation for deliverance, for himself, for the people. He was desperate for a move of God. Are we? Kind of a hard question we have to be real honest with sometimes. Am I so desperate? Leonard Ravenhill is one of my personal favorite old school preachers and authors he says, God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. Daniel had a word from God and he dedicated himself to consecrated, desperate prayer and fasting. And that moved God. The desperate, prayerful, broken place in Daniel moved God towards relenting from his judgment on Israel and towards restoring his children in keeping with his promises. Consecration was that catalyst. Daniel sets an extraordinary bar and standard in the righteous way that he lived his life. And it seems a little hard if we're being honest, doesn't it? I mean, the way he prayed, his faith, he's fasting, he's studying the word. No one could find anything wrong with him. You got to look at my life for about two seconds and there's a laundry list. But look at Daniel. But remember, you and I, we're not called to be provoked towards the, the perfect standard of Daniel. No, Daniel was a sinner, and he acknowledged that as much in this prayer. We are called to a higher standard. Recall, it was Jesus who said in Matthew, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It was our King and Savior who said, when you pray, pray like this. He set uh, set the ultimate example and expectation for prayer. And it was the Son of God who said, authority over these spirits is gained only by prayer and fasting. And we talk kind of in church speak, and I'm guilty, I've done this, we talk about how it is all spiritual warfare. And it is this life that we live. In this society, it always has been. It's spiritual warfare. And we are told here in God's word, sometimes if you want to break those strongholds of those Chaldeans that are oppressing you, those demonic spirits that are dealing a dose of depression and fear and anxiety, sometimes you got to mix a little prayer and fasting and consecration with that so that that God can break that off. Oh, God's going to move, and he's got ultimate power, but he calls us into this lifestyle, and Daniel learned this too. He had to pray. He had to fast. He had to press in. You could even reason at this point that, Eric, maybe it sounds like you're leaning a little bit towards a... Um, uh, a works-based theology. You're telling me to do a lot of things. You're telling me I don't pray enough. I got to pray more. I need to repent more. I got to read my Bible more. I've got to do, do, do. Are we not saved by grace? Absolutely. Absolutely. A thousand times, yes. We are only saved by grace through faith in the Son of God who allowed himself to be nailed to a cross to die for the propitiation of our sins. But when he calls us in this consecrated life, he does something with that. We are saved by grace. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was struck by the truth of Brian Legg's um, sermon whenever he preached on the Israelites bringing their gold. He, he mentioned the fact that they brought their gold to Aaron for the crafting of that golden calf. And that hit me in a new way. They invested their personal, their personal wealth. They invested in the worship of this idol. Numbers 25:16 and it's not going to be up here on the screen but numbers 25:16 also details how Israel ate of the sacrificial meat and bowed down before Moabite gods. Israel, and this is depending on your translation, they yoked, joined or consecrated themselves to the Baal of Peor. Israel compromised And again, from last week's message, we know that we cannot put our eyes on evil things and expect God to move with us and for us. Prayer, obedience, praise, study of his word, tithing of time and finances, discipleship in a word, consecration. This is how we join ourselves to God and invest in the worship of his greatness. And he is worthy of it all. Amen? We will never earn salvation, not ever. But God uses his people for his glory, and he desires to use a consecrated, connected, called church, burning with the fresh fire uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit, that flowing living water to move and to do something here in this place, in this neighborhood, in our circles. He's brooding. He's ready to move. So we've seen the results of Daniel's lifestyle with supernatural revelation and the writing writing on the wall and deliverance in the lion's den. And we know that God heard Daniel's desperate plea because Ezra, also in this week's reading, Ezra details how the the captives were released to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild Maybe it's time for us to ask ourselves, what happens when we pray? Are we a wholly devoted church consecrated to God? Are we dedicating ourselves to study of the word and prayer, to desperately seeking his presence in our lives? What is God's response to us when we pray? Where is the fruit of our consecration? whether it be in our secret place, our small group or d-groups, or in the prayer room, are we hearing from God? Are we seeing realignments in our families, our hearts, our circumstances, and our communities? Do we see and experience physical and soulful healings? Are we experiencing revival even on a personal level? Are we experiencing the Lord's victory in our daily lives? And when answers to prayer seem to be delayed by our measurement of time, Are we visited by God's supernatural peace as we wait on his answer? While continuing to pray in this passage, praying and confessing his sin and Israel's sin, as Daniel was praying, Archangel Gabriel shows up. Now, don't let that get lost on you. An encounter with Gabriel occurs during prayer. And Gabriel professes God's love for Daniel and affirms and encourages his heart with the truth that Daniel is very precious to God. Do you know that truth? Do you feel God's heart, God's hand on your heart saying, my son, my daughter, you are so precious to me? When we say no to our flesh and our temptations, when we are burdened for revival for our families or our church, when our faith is stretched And yet we still say yes to God. He sees you, precious ones. He sees you. When you cry out for his loved ones that are lost, he sees you. When you call on the name of Jesus for repentance and forgiveness, you are so precious to God. When we pray and we don't experience breakthrough, revelation, or peace with our circumstances, then perhaps, and I I know I say this delicately. Perhaps we've shortened our prayers prematurely. We are to persist and pray without ceasing, which can cause some uncomfortable tension when our circumstances seemingly remain unchanged. Remember, Daniel is in Babylon for over 60 years when he's saying this prayer. I think he knows a little bit about the waiting season. Like the Israelites positioned at the Jordan River and Daniel in Babylon, our devotion to God invites his revelation, his deliverance, his power, and his peace. Now we know there's much to learn from Daniel's life. He was wholly set apart. It was obvious to everyone in Babylon, and God's favor remained on this precious servant. A couple months ago, Stivey preached on the price of presents The cost we must pay to be in the presence of God. And Daniel helps us to see that price in a practical way, yet with supernatural results. How many of you were here whenever Pastor Ariel spoke around New Year's? Show of hands. Did anybody hear that? It was an amazing message. If you can still get it off the podcast, I would highly encourage you. It was an anointed message. He prophesied. He said, this is our time, TBA, that God wants to do something big with us, TBA. And then he splashed cold water on our collective faces and said, but God wants us to be a church that is full of his presence. When we pray, we enter his presence. When we consecrate ourselves in prayer, fasting, consumption of the word, can't you hear his heart speaking over you? You are precious to God. Ariel declared that God wants us to be a church worshiping and adoring, waiting and serving his purpose, not our own. That's a consecrated church, TBA. Like you, I desire to see God move in and amongst and through TBA, I mean like never before. I believe that the righteousness of Christ and the authority that he longs to share with us, that presence, that power, that authority, I believe it's all birthed in this consecrated lifestyle. Our walk with the Lord begins with the greatest, yet smallest of ways, in a way. For each one of us here today that call ourselves believers, it began with prayer. Humble, consecrated, confessional prayer, declaring our Lord's victory over sin and death at the cross, that we might be saved. If you haven't prayed that prayer and you want to give your life over to the only one whose opinion of you truly matters, if you, like me, long to hear the voice of your heavenly Father sing over you, you are so precious. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus today, the one who believes and knows you to be so precious that he gave his life for you, don't leave today without making that decision. Come see me or one of the retreating pastors. Um, Feel free to come pray with Tim and Joni for any reason. Don't leave here today without dealing. Band, you can come on up. TBA, are we ready to cross our Jordan River? Are we preparing ourselves today as a catalyst for a supernatural movement of God. We are to connect to God through his word and his call for us and this church for the manifestation of God's glorious kingdom here on earth through you, through me, through this church. Like Daniel, we must be washed with water through his word, devoted to prayer, desperate prayer, willing to fast, living a repentant lifestyle, and we will see God move When we pray, he will listen. As God's word lays hold of us, like Daniel, we must cry out to God and not let go, not be satisfied until he moves. Are you desperate for that? As they were dragging Daniel to the lion's den, I imagine their cries. Where is this God of Daniel? Let him save Daniel. Where is this God? But I submit to you today, the question is more direct to you and to me. In this church, TBA, we are not being asked, where is this God of Daniel? But where? Where, TBA, are the consecrated sons and daughters? Where, TBA, are the precious burning ones? Where are the desperate ones? Where are the Daniels of God? Let us consecrate ourselves together. For today, we consecrate ourselves, and then tomorrow, we will see the Lord move in amazing ways amongst us all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this example of consecration that Daniel gives us. We thank you for the truth of knowing that we are called for something greater here in this place, at this church. We are thankful to know that consecration, it's a lifestyle. It's a catalyst. It's a catalyst, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would stoke the flames of our desperation for you to move, that we would be willing to sacrifice our old ways, nail them on the cross where they belong, just like scripture tells us, because the way we've done things, it's not good enough it was never good enough. But Lord, when we devote ourselves to you, we know you will move in amazing, divine, and powerful ways. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.